1: Hello, Drew. How are you
0: doing? Hey, buddy. Good to talk to you. So tell us about the, we We're. I was doing okay. I'm having a little technical stuff. My Wi-Fi was not good. Clubhouses, uh, servers were struggling, but I think we're all good now. So uh, you sound Joe Giannotti, clear. tell me, you sound clear too, as a matter of fact. Tell me what you saw in that Michigan data. And uh, I guess you were inter- interacting with Phil Kirpin as well. And he was setting you straight on some things. Tell us about well, this.
1: Well, he was interacting. He was interacting with me uh because I posted when when I sent it to you yesterday I also posted it on Twitter and um bill uh directed me uh to to a group that's also working with the data um their uh their, their, their um uh, their, their Twitter handle is um at hold LLC it's it's on my Twitter feed uh, which is at Stanley Cup ot. Um, so you could take a look there. Um, and so with Michigan, Michigan has been doing some data dumps. Now, do you have, um, I sent you, I sent you the the graph. Could you please show them sure. to, to kind of explain, uh, you know, and I'm kind of looking right now.
0: We're looking at the graph, your graph, the blue and the yellow.
1: Okay. So in the, in the blue the blue are the case numbers so which which is on the left axis okay mm-hmm. and you see how the the case numbers are still going up however yep. if you look at the orange the orange is the percent positive and those numbers for the last 4 days are now going down the percent positivity of so of, that usually you know, COVID.
0: precedes that precedes everything else so that's good
1: uh, yes. Um, yes and no. What, what Michigan is also going through is, is, a is, a di- the last few days is a data dump. Now I sent you earlier, uh, about a half an hour ago, I sent you updated, um, uh, materials. And if you could show, um, is that the bar uh, know- graph?
0: Is that the bar graph? Yes, please. Okay. Let's put up the bar graph. There we are. Okay. We're looking at that.
1: Uh, let's see here.
0: It looks good. Okay, I mean, it looks like things are improving rapidly.
1: That, well, uh, that, that that that's correct. And take a look. This is this is from the state website. This is Michigan's website themselves. Okay. And so you can you can tell very easily when Saturdays and Sundays occur. Those are the lower numbers. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the in in the graphs. So um, you know it takes the rest of the week to catch up, but if you look. Look at the most recent increase, which is from Monday, which is three, three to the left. Yeah. You see how that number is kind of in sync with Friday. Yep. With with the Friday. So, in my opinion, I think I think their cases are starting to go down now.
0: That's what it looks like, rather dramatically, right?
1: Um, not rather dramatically, but it's it's starting to go down. And what I think is going to happen is it's going to rather dramatically in the next week. To ten days start going down uh go to the next graph because I want to show you the hospitalization uh, do we
0: have that one uh Kayla? We, don't yes, have, I really sent, we don't have I that said, one. Said, we only have these two
1: all right hold, hold, hold on I, I sent you four of them all together hold on I'm gonna have to explain the others okay just kind uh, of
0: summarize it for us because I've got people waiting to come on in so we got to get to that I'm sorry right. okay
1: I'm sorry uh so the, the the hospitalizations are still going up but they are not going up as rapidly
0: right and that's a that's um, a lagging leader lagging indicator by about a week or two typically so that's good
1: and and then the one the one thing that we, you know we have we have noticed is that the deaths aren't significantly going up
0: right which is they're not going up
1: some of the reason you know, we uh,
0: think for that is that the there's a lower age group of covid uh than has been sort of the national national average, like the, the sort of sixteen to twenty eight year olds were getting the COVID in the, this Michigan outbreak,
1: right? And and the average deaths, the average deaths are about forty to forty five a day. Which it's sad enough that that many have have died. Mm. However, considering that in the last wave, in the last wave, we were in the ballpark of eighty to 90 and upwards over 100 for a number of days during that wave in January you know drew it, it shows you that this wave is not as deadly which is telling good. me which is good if i had to make a, if if i had to make a wild guess mm-hmm. okay i believe that you know it, it seems it seems like the general consensus now that b1117 yep is the dominant strain now and certainly in in michigan
0: it seems to be that's true also yep
1: however i don't think it's as deadly of a strain i
0: i think that's right joe i think well i think there's two things if it's hitting this you know 70 year old plus it's going to be bad it just is that's the way COVID is and there's some hint that this virus may be a little worse in which case in that age group you would see some more problems but the fact that michigan is predominantly skewed young in this particular outbreak it makes sense that this should be an outbreak with relatively little uh death however there was kind of i was reading some data yesterday that suggests there was a lot of pediatric hospitalization which is disturbing i mean you don't want kids to be so sick that they end up in the hospital right
1: no of course not yeah
0: but uh, I think I think we're showing us some good news. So thank you, thank you, Joe, as always. Thank you for doing the hard work and presenting us the data. We appreciate it so much. You're
1: welcome. Have a great Have a great rest of the
0: day. Yes, buddy. We'll look for you over uh, on locals. I see some of you there raising your hand. Before I get to you, uh, Tori, Glenn, and Anthony, uh, Caleb. I sent you an email with a, just a headline, a title of a study. And I wonder if you can th- just throw that. Is there possible to throw that up on the screen in any way? Uh, I'm going to find it. Give me a minute. It's just an email. Be- be- it's it's really not important. It's not a big deal, but it it's kind of dramatic. And, and it just came through from the New England Journal of Medicine, literally while I was speaking to Joe. And the title of the study, I'll tell you the title of the study. It really is a dramatic, dr- it's not about COVID. It's a whole other domain that I'm kind of interested in. I actually did an interview with the uh, founder and president of MAPS, the multidisciplinary um, psychedelic research group uh, for the advancement of psychedelic whatever, uh, MAPS, N-A-P-S. They're a legitimate research organization. And they have some good data coming out on MDMA and PTSD. But now this, the title of this little study is Trial of Psilocybin Versus, versus Ecitalopram, which is essentially... Um, uh, what do we know the common name as? Lexapro. No, no, uh, Lexapro. Yeah, Lexapro. Uh, so it is Lexapro versus mushrooms for depression. This is the first study I've seen the New England Journal publish on this. A double-blind, randomized controlled, top-notch study with 59 patients, 29 to the uh, Lexapro group, and then uh, the other 30, I guess it was, to the psilocybin group. Now, interestingly, the... Uh, the outcomes were the same in both groups, right? Let me read you. Let me read you the, the actual. See if I can get to the conclusion on this. Just read you the basic conclusion. This is on depression scores at week six, right? The trial did not show a significant difference in antidepressant effects between psilocybin and e-citalopram in a selected group of patients. Secondary outcomes generally favored psilocybin uh, over escitalopram. Like generally, how you doing? Secondary outcomes. But in other words, not the primary outcome of the study, right? We have primary endpoints. They, they added other things like side effects of medication, I'm sure, or quality of life, or diet, or sleeping. There may have been many other things that they were looking at as well. The analysis of these outcomes lacked correction for multiple comparisons. Larger and longer tra- trials are required, okay? This was out of uh, Imperial College of London. Center for Psychedelic Research. They have a Center for Psychedelic Research. This is just the first doing um, the Journal publication that I'm aware of. Point is, Lexapro is a well-established antidepressant that improves mood at six weeks. The headline should be psilocybin compares favorably. That's a kind of a really interesting observation. Now, whether it's a significant finding or not, yes, bigger groups, longer studies, absolutely reproduce the data, see if it works. But this is kind of really interesting that we have a... A very subst- substantial uh bit of data that suggests psilocybin compares favorably to escitalopram. let me see what i'm gonna see if i can figure out very quickly what they how much mushrooms they gave to people uh hold a second let me see if i can find i'm looking through the methods of this thing here so i can drew do you want me to just pull up that page and show the article? Just, just, no, just throw show the headline up there. Just uh, throw the, um, just so they can see the what I sent you. Or you can show the article if you want. There it is. There's the whole article. So there it is, everybody. doing the journal, trial of psilocybin versus escitalopram for depression. Very impressive. Very impressive. I I can't, by quickly screening this thing, it literally came in while we were talking. Uh, I can't see uh, how much psilocybin they use. I imagine usual trambo doses. Adverse events, uh, week six, have you been on the base events? events, uh, additional details. All adverse events that occurred are worsened between dosing day one and week six. We'll record it and it doesn't say what they are. All right, I'm going to have to read this carefully. I'm sorry I didn't have time to do that because it came in while we were talking. So something for all to look at there. Let me bring in uh, another call from Tori. Hey, Tori, what's going on?
2: Hi, I have a question about the vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, you know, I'm hearing in the news and I don't know how accurate they are, but, um, that they may last six to seven months. And that really is frightening considering, you know, people who got their vaccine in say January or February are really coming up quite quickly on the six to seven months.
0: Right. So So here's, here's again, uh, if, if you were reading something on Twitter that this is how fake nude is, is generated, right? So right. something that is not true becomes factual, and then everyone reacts to the fact. Here's the fact. We have proof so far that the immunological response is adequate at six months. Now they're taking it out 9 to 12 to prove that there will be continued coverage at 9 and 12 months. We're just about there with that data and everything i'm hearing suggests that it will last certainly 9 months and probably 12 months.
2: Okay, so we're not looking at getting another shot in say, you know, a couple months.
0: No, but you probably are looking at something at some point. Uh, they're they're predicting trouble in the winter. They're predicting another surge, they're predicting more variants, and at that point we'll all probably have to take a booster. And trust me, i didn't like taking this vaccine. I had a bad reaction to it, so i don't look forward to it. But I do not want more COVID. I've I've had an ass full of that. Thank you.
2: Yeah, yeah. You had your fair share.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Tori. You doing okay
1: otherwise?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I'm about to get my second one on Friday. So I am a little bit nervous about that as well. But, you know, but my family, they got it all earlier because they're older and I'm kind of concerned for their health because they're obviously in the um, category, uh, riskier category. It's looking
0: good. Follow. There's a great, uh, two great follows on TikTok that will keep you up to the minute. Oh, okay. One is at Dr. Nock, D-R dot N-O-C. And the other is at Laughter in Light. She's an immunologist that really reviews the data every day and you know just looks at all the publications and the, and the preprints too, the stuff before it gets published. So you can get really up to date with Dr. Nock, who makes it kind of fun and silly and easy, easy to understand, but he's accurate, he's spot on accurate. And then Laughter in Light is a little more conversational and um, giving you the up to the minute reviews. Okay.
2: Oh, uh, that's perfect. Thank you so much you I appreciate bet,
0: it. you betcha. Uh again, I'm looking at uh your calls here. Um you bring our buddy Anthony Brown on up here. Anthony, what's going on, man?
3: Doing Dr. Drew.
0: What's happening?
3: Hey, I'm I'm sitting here just catching a little wind of this whole psilocybin antidepressant type thing. Crazy,
0: right? Interesting.
3: <laughs> it is it is crazy. Yeah, because you know. We've, we've
0: tried all kinds uh oh you're breaking up Anthony buddy, wait, hold on Anthony. Anthony I couldn't hear a thing you said it all broke up start again
3: Okay. can you hear me
0: yeah I got you now
3: okay yeah this whole um, psilocybin thing and you know I was thinking about all the different experiments they were doing with ayahuasca and you know different roots and things like that mm-hmm. and I know that I'm From my experience, yeah, mushroom does relieve depression because it makes you euphoric.
0: Well, it it does when you're taking it, but is there a downside on the other side is the question, right?
3: Well, yes, exactly, because, you know, you're going to have to—eventually, it's going to have to come out of your system.
0: Well, I mean, for instance, you know, know, they're doing ketamine infusions now, right, for resistant depression, and that works rather well. Now, I have seen— Recovering addicts relapse after ketamine infusions. So I'm concerned. I'm concerned about that. So, I, you know, obviously, if this psilocybin thing ends up looking like a decent therapy, in other words, I think the reason people look at hallucinogenics, they think that it will be a course of treatment that you can stop. That's sort of the thinking about psilocybins, right? And certainly, if that turns out to be true, I would not suggest that form of treatment for people in recovery.
3: It, exactly, because it definitely would trigger that whole craving thing. And next thing you know, you're just sitting around just eating anything that makes your head
0: <laughs> Well, it, because, you know, Anthony and I know each other, because your drug was cocaine, cravings are a big deal to you. But but I, and that, you know, cocaine is the drug and tobacco or the to, and, and meth to some extent. And, you know, the stimulants cause craving, a really bad craving. But I worry, I'm sorry, a little less about craving and a little more about how... Activating your addiction distorts people's thinking. You know, then you start thinking all kinds of things are good ideas, and it's that—that's it, where people get themselves in real trouble.
3: Right, and this—and it would be sad if people think, "Well, if you're going to compare antidepressants to mushrooms, and you're getting the same effect, then why not eat a bunch of antidepressants to get high,
0: uh, or a bunch of mushrooms to get your depression better?" And look, I'm just following doctors' orders. You, you know how addicts think.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, was, I mean, my is supposed to grow out of cow patties. Right. And, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be well, looking let, around. Let's be super mushroom. clear.
0: Not for you, my friend. <laughs> not for, okay, not okay. for you. Okay. So, okay, okay. but, but even the ketamine thing, you know, I, I've had some patients, you, you know, one of the, one of the things about here, it gets complicated, right? Because one of the things about having been a drug addict is you can really alter your serotonin system permanently sometimes, depending on what you did to yourself. And so I've got a lot of, um, uh, recovering addicts who have chronic recalcitrant depression and i have in some of those in very select situations seen people go ahead and use ketamine sometimes it works sometimes it triggered a relapse so it's a hard call we don't we don't know who it, who should be getting and who shouldn't just yet so if you're a recovering person stay away from the stuff sounds I,
3: I would i would agree 100
0: all right excellent thanks anthony I'm going to try to take a few more calls here. This is uh, Bianca. Hi, Bianca. Hello. Hey there. What can we do for you? Hi. Um,
4: I actually wanted to ask a question um, on behalf of my sister. Um, so for probably many years, she's had a autoimmune disease, I would say. Mm-hmm. We're not really too sure what it is. And mm-hmm. when we've tried getting it diagnosed in England um, So far, so many doctors have been unable to sort of diagnose what she has.
0: Right. So, so, um, so I I sigh when I, saw I want to hear about cases like this because we just some of them people literally waste away. They just waste. It just can be a really serious thing. Now, mm-hmm. go ahead, a- ask your question, and then I'll tell you. COVID has moved this ball forward a little bit, interestingly. So, so go ahead.
4: Um. So yeah. So what normally happens is, um, sometimes it's. Uh, something which is induced by stress. Other times we we really don't know exactly how much of an effect things like diet and stuff have on it, but she has really severe stomach pains and cramps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is then presented in bruises, which appear on her face, particularly mm. her chin and both of her cheeks, sometimes her nose. Um, she has things like cold sweats, and then she sort of passes out for a period of seconds to maybe one to two minutes Mm -hmm. um and now just recently um in the past couple of months she sort of has back pain which has developed as a sort of after an effect of it as well
0: and they've done uh they've done an adequate workup of this
4: yes so she's been taken to have um patch testing done to see if she's allergic to anything Uh, She's had blood tests done. She's gone to give things like stool samples just to see if it's anything bacterial, um, if there's sort of been anything within her. Um, Cat scan? She's had ultrasounds. I'm not too sure. I don't think she's had a CAT scan. Mm -hmm. Um, But the main diagnosis we got was reactive etycaria. However, we now know that's not what it is because— That's um, sort of like
0: nothing. Hives. Yeah. Yeah. They just So have to do with here are two things that occur to me uh, that are rare conditions that people rarely test for. Uh, one is something that's called a Gardner-Diamond Gardner syndrome or painful bruise syndrome, they used to call it. Let me look up here. Uh, Gardner-Diamond. I'm not even sure how you work it up. It's also called—these are rare, rare, rare conditions— uh, also called autoerythrocyte sensitization, um, it's essentially unexplained painful bruising that mostly occur in the arm, legs, and face. There it is, uh, Gardner-Diamond syndrome. Okay, yeah. um, it 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 has been thrown into the psychiatric realm a little bit in terms of treatment.
3: Mm.
0: However. We're now finding out that many of the antidepressants that we use for chronic fatigue and these so-called psychiatric syndromes are activating an anti-inflammatory pathway called the sigma-1 receptor, the sigma-1 pathway. And so it's actually having physiological effects on the inflammatory system. Yeah. So whether this is some sort of autoerythrocyte sensitization or post-viral syndrome or God knows what, I, I have a... I, Calling these things psychiatric mischaracterizes them. You can Mm -hmm. use psychiatric medication and them not be psychiatric problems. The other thing I worry about when people are uh, having conditions like this is porphyria. Did they ever look at uh, porphyria for you? Um, I don't think so. Something called acute intermittent porphyria. And abdominal pain is a major, major piece of that one. Um, Let me read that one to you. Most of your episodes, neurological, uh, motor neuropathy, blah, 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 weakness, um, central nervous systems such as coma, short-lived psychiatric syndrome, anxiety, confusion. Let's see. Mm. Uh, Hold on. But I'm sure it's abdominal pain, because that was the thing I always remember with this, that they would get these weird abdominal pain syndromes. Well, it's not really in this little particular description, but... Acute inter, AIP, it's called acute intermittent porphyria, and it's rarely tested for. I think, if I remember right, you have to do a urine collection to, to like, a twenty-four hour urine collection to, to look for for porphyrens. Um But these are not things that doctors normally think of. This is doctor, this, this is Doctor House stuff. You know what I mean? Like that TV show House. Uh, yeah. Although <laughs> the writers of, the How, of House did not know enough to bring up conditions like this. They they mm-hmm. interestingly brought up common conditions every time he solved the problem, but uh, be that as it may. But uh, those are the two. So I would look at three things. I would look at Gardner-Diamond, acute intermittent porphyria, and whether or not this is a post-viral syndrome that might respond to something like fluvoxamine. Fluvoxamine, I I had long-hauler COVID symptoms, and my God, did it help me. And it's helping a lot of people. In fact, there was a study just out of Germany this morning that uh, was... Uh, waxing poetic about the potential of uh, antidepressants in the certain category, the ones that hit the sigma one receptor, helping with inflammatory diseases. So, even if we don't know what her disease is, it still might help. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah. No, definitely. Thank so, I'm you sorry. So much. These
0: are very frustrating conditions to have. Very, 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 very. And, uh, and because, because our medical systems are set up now to be perfunctory and fast and non thoughtful, it's very hard to to when you get a mm. condition like this, right?
4: Yeah, I think the main problem we've sort of found is that because of the fact we come from Zambia, people treat it as though it's a tropical disease.
0: Oh and well, so, but, uh, listen, um, I'm glad they did that because they need to rule that out first, right? Uh, and there and there are weird, exotic, you know, tropical diseases mm. out there too, and and hopefully it's just somebody the, the most
4: they tra- they look for is um, malaria and uh, HIV. And when those are sort of the tests that they keep running repeatedly, it's just,
0: there are, there are much more interesting things than that out there uh, that people can get exposed to. So, so it would also be worth her while it would seem to me to have a tropical disease specialist, just look her over. Cause sometimes, you know, dealing with those illnesses, you literally have to do a a smear of the blood and and look at for hours under the microscope, looking for the parasites and things. And again, we are not set up with that. Somebody would have to go do that, and so there you go. Very interesting, Bianca. Please keep us updated on that, will you? I will. Thank you. Okay, you bet. I hope that helped. Whew, those are uh, interesting medical problems. Uh, Glenn, Glenn, what's going on?
5: Hi, jeans. Hey, Doctor Drew. Hi, yeah, mommy. What's up? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. 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 Um, I listened to you a lot. Been watching you since. Uh, uh, K rock. So wow. big fan. Thank you. Um, so I have a question Yeah. on your mom's house. You've been talking about kind of how COVID messed up, you know, mess with your ears a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I wow. had, um, something, I, I had a, a flu. I don't know what it was. It was a, a, a sinus, um, infection mm-hmm. and it, it really affected my ears. Mm-hmm. And ever since I had that infection, You know um when i had that infection my hearing went to almost zero i was at maybe like 10 percent hearing Mm -hmm. and ever since then my my eustachian this is um kind of just like what i've been told but my eustachian tube has just not worked the way it should and the only way how you know that um well my my pressure in my ears when i when i blow out or, or i'm changing altitudes or i'm swimming Um, no pressure's ever released and it usually takes a little time for it to, to relieve. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can't equalize the pressure in your your ear. Not at all. No, the only way I can do it actually is with spicy foods. Funny enough. I don't know why. Interesting. (laughs) Have you, have you seen it at your nose and throat doctor? I did. So I've been to two separate ones for two separate opinions and, um, uh, both of them have, uh, administered me, uh, steroids. Mm -hmm. For for the for the issue, and then I went to an audiologist, mm-hmm. and the audiologist was kind of just like, "Well, you can hear," and that just wasn't the problem.
0: <laughs> well, so you're describing essentially a, a persistence in the middle ear inflammation or fluid or something, or that the tubes are inflamed and not draining properly. The the thing you worry about with a post-infectious problem is something called otosclerosis, right, where the the ear bones sort of they kind of become stiff and so they can't move the way they're supposed to. So you gotta make sure they ruled out otosclerosis and it seems like they treated you like just a post infectious persistent middle ear inflammation. In other words, but it also feels like again, they're sort of dismissed you. <laughs> like move along, yeah. move along. And what what I I will tell you, I don't know what your insurance situation is, but but what doctors rely on when somebody is given a treatment and it doesn't work, they rely on you to come back. And so often patients don't. This is the problem. I did not. We, <laughs> yeah, because we get frustrated and we get, you know, and, and if you go back and you go, I'm so mad, you didn't, why did you come back? We got to keep working on this. We got to keep going. So you need to go back. I, I don't know what those doctors or either one of them were thinking. Hopefully it's the same one you can see. Yeah, or at least the same chart, so that doctor can see the thinking of the other ones, and get on this and say, "Look, what what is Let's get a treatment plan here. This isn't working. I'm not better. You know, see me again. You know, why didn't you make another appointment?" This is the other part. We don't we don't ask patients to come back because Uh we assume they're going to get better, and really we should be asking patients back to come back and visit and you know make sure things are better, which it sounds like you fell victim to that. Process which he assumed you're going to get better, move along. You need to go back. Okay.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it That's can be serious. Um,
0: yeah. you, you, it's can get, you can get serious problems with the bones in the ear, right? You know, you have, you have two little bones in your ear and a couple of muscles actually that tune the bones to the sounds in your, that you, you're picking up, and those bones can become stiff or even ossified, and they have to have them removed and uh, something else put in. So it's a it's a real deal. Uh, okay bring in uh alessandro alessandro how are you
6: hey dr drew um so yeah i'm right now i'm currently planning to get vaccinated and that and only because or yeah i'm I'm planning to get it a few months from now Mm -hmm. only because i really don't uh i currently don't really go anywhere and my friends getting married in december so i'm sort of planning out the vaccine so that i'm you know certainly covered around that time i like that
0: and not only that, you're you're watching and seeing what other things emerge in the meantime, and the later you get it, the more you can push back the uh, booster too, possibly.
6: Yeah, hundred percent. And I'm really, you know, grateful that you know you have mentioned a lot of treatments such as bamlanivimab, mm-hmm. ivermectin, mm-hmm. Uh, fluvoxamine, and so I wanted to ask: Should I, unfortunately, get COVID? You know, then that's few weeks or you know, just un- unfortunately, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, What would be your protocol? How and I'm currently you? 25, so I
0: just, 25. 25-year-olds really don't need much. That's a different group than, say, a 60- or a 65-year-old. My son is, you know, late 20s, and he got COVID at the same time as I did. I was taking a bunch of stuff because I was at risk of getting into big trouble. He didn't take anything, and he was done in three days. And then he was a little pissed, too. It's like, geez, I quarantined for this, oh. you know? Um so I think you should just sit tight. Tylenol only if you start to desaturate would anything being required, and even then, for a 25 year old as an outpatient, you have to be 55 or older right now to get the monoclonal antibodies. So the only okay. thing that somebody might do for you really is maybe some steroids, um, and or a steroid inhaler, something like the. Um, Budesonide. That that now there's some good data on uh, at least that it shortens the outcomes and things. So that would be probably something someone would do for you, either Decadron or Budesonide. And but you're probably gonna be fine.
6: And then and just for my parents as well because they're they're planning on getting vaccinated as well. Mm. Um, so. In terms of like fluvoxamine, I think you mentioned that that one was the most well successful Steve, in, in, in Steve, bringing Steve, down those symptoms.
0: Steve Kirsch is a, and again, this German data that just came out this morning suggests that you maybe maybe it's, uh, the fluvoxamine should be part of the early treatment. That 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 is not established yet, but there is some evidence to suggest that that's true.
6: Um, How old are your parents? Uh my dad is currently 72. Mom is in her mid 60s.
0: Yeah. So they would get the bamlinivimab. They would get the decadron. Uh, everyone ought to get their vitamin D levels up. The, uh, the enthusiasm around zinc has fallen off in some of the recent data. Uh, so the zinc okay. quercetin, not clear. Uh, the, but the vitamin D vitamin C is looking less of an issue, but I would still, what do you got to lose? Vitamin D, vitamin C, no harm, no foul. And, um, The Really, we don't, other than fluvoxamine, there's not much established early treatment yet. Now, there are people out there that are looking at ivermectin again, but that is uh, yet to be established. So uh, the main thing is the steroids and and the steroid inhaler, the fluvoxamine and the uh, bamlanivimab, which now is combined with eticivimab. So it's a combo medication. And it's, I'm hearing it's getting harder to get the infusions at home. So you may have to go somewhere to get the infusions. Uh, let's see. I'm reading your guys' work on... Uh, ah, people don't use Halodyne on your bum. Okay, thank you, Tom Cigar. Yes, that's not a good idea. But uh, there was a study that came out this morning. It was not a good study. I'll go to the ads immediately after I to mention this. Uh, that showed that poviodine was like the number three beneficial substance out there for early prevention of uh, COVID. And that's what halidine is it's poviodine. So I, I heard that study. Get, don't get me wrong, the study wasn't good. It was not, a, It was, but it was looking at all the compounds that have been used, all the chemicals that have been used to treat and prevent COVID. And halidine, if not halidine, poviodine, which halidine is what it is came up like number 3 on the list which uh caught my attention and i i i swear uh, as god is my witness nasal swab mouthwash these are good things to add to the efficacy of the mask we will take a little break and uh, back again with your calls Anyone who's watched me over the years knows that I'm obsessed with Hydrolyte. In my opinion, the best oral rehydration product on the market. I literally use it every day. My family uses it. When I had COVID, I'm telling you, Hydrolyte contributed to my recovery, kept me hydrated. Now, with things finally reopening back around the country, the potential exposure to the common cold is always around. And like always, Hydrolite has got your back. Hydrolite Plus Immunity, my new favorite, starts with their fast-absorbing electrolytes and adds a host of great ingredients Plus, each single-serving easy-pour drink mix contains 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C, 300 milligrams of elderberry extract. hydrolyte. plus immunity comes in convenient, easy-to-pour sticks that rapidly dissolve in water, make a great-tasting drink, has 75% less sugar than your typical sports drink uses all-natural flavors, gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, non-GMO, and even vegan. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity is also now available in ready-to-drink bottles at the Walmart next to the pharmacy. Or as always, you can find it by visiting hydrolite.com slash Drew. Again, that is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash D-R-D-R-E-W. Be sure to use the code DRDREW25 for a special discount. You've heard me talk many times about my struggles with gut health and how I've been taking a probiotic from seed. Well, digestive issues aren't just for grownups. Kids can suffer from it as well. That is why I wanted to pass along a clinical trial participation opportunity in the event that you may have or know of children who experience occasional constipation. SEED is currently recruiting 300 to 500 participants for a clinical trial to study the pediatric gut microbiome and assess their pediatric daily symbiotic a probiotic and prebiotic formulated with strains that are intended to alleviate gastrointestinal discomfort. Participants will be compensated up to $225. Here's some details about this double-blind study. Children with constipation between the ages of 3 and 17 are eligible to participate. The study duration is 16 weeks. The study is fully remote with no in-person visits. Subjects will provide stool samples at baseline and week 12. Parents or direct relative guardians of study subjects will receive extensive education on the symbiotic use. If you'd like to learn more and or enroll, please go to drdrew.com slash trial. That is drdrew.com slash T-R-I-A-L. On behalf of my friends at Seed, thank you for moving science forward. I am so grateful for our friends at Blue Microphones. Not only have they completely changed what our show sounds like, they've given me headphones so I can monitor things better. This is the mic for millions of creative people and now I know why. I'm so grateful for them completely changing the quality of our audio. You'll find blue mics like Yeti and the Mouse which we're using here, both in pro studios and home studios all literally all over the world. Their popular Yeti Caster is a blue Yeti microphone plus a boom arm system that's behind many of your favorite podcasts. I see run into them all the time and now I know why. If you've ever thought about creating your own podcast or YouTube channel, Blue can make you sound and look great. Just visit bluemike.com and click get started and you can start telling your story. All right, everybody, thank you for your calls. Thank you for your patience there. Let's uh, get back to them. Uh, of course, I'm watching everyone on Restream and I've got uh, Pete up. Pete, hey man, what's going on?
3: Pete? Yeah. Hey, how's, how's it going, doctor? Thank you so much for doing this. You betcha. Um, so my questions are, I've heard that um Melatonin and antihistamines have been shown to. Um, well, I want to get your your opinion. On, is, is are those good studies or
0: on, on COVID? Uh, yes. Yeah, melatonin. There seems to be something going on in the high dose of melatonin. The some of the antioxidant properties kick in around ten milligrams, and you know, pretty much everything that is over the counter, unfortunately. Uh, that can affect COVID, the zinc, the D, the quercetin, the C, the the melatonin. I took all of it. I took all of it, and uh, I was the data looked good to me, but I didn't expect much from it. I re- I didn't expect much from it, and I got sick, and I got very sick. So did it prevent me from going in the hospital, or did it make no difference at all? I don't know. But I, d- I did all that myself. Uh, I think it's not a bad idea to do those things, uh, but expecting a lot from it, it's not probably not going to be a lot. Probably not going to be a lot. As compared to, and let me just compare it to when I actually got sick and I was heading towards hospitalization, when I got the monoclonal antibody, I stabilized immediately. I mean, it was a dramatic effect. And I told the infusion nurse, who was a, a lovely guy that I was chatting with, and he, he said he a reminder that the, the bamlanivimab and the Etesivimab is available to everyone. It's not, you know, you don't have to have special insurance or anything. The, the government actually pushed it out. And, and he said he sits all day in all across the socioeconomic spectrum. And I was telling him that during the infusion, I was feeling better. And he goes, yeah, I hear that all day. And I said, not only that, like colors are getting brighter. Like my, my, like my brain is changing. And he said, yeah, yeah, they tell me that too. So that's a lot different than melatonin, you know, 10 milligrams a day might help a little bit. You know what I mean?
4: Yes. That's fascinating. Thank you so much. All right,
0: buddy. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it very much. Uh, hold on here. Let me get Pete back in the audience. Thank you, Pete. Uh, I am now looking at Nate. Whoops. Nate, go right ahead, buddy. Nate. Hey man. Hey Dr. Drew. Hey buddy.
7: Um, yeah, well, Hey, uh, I had a question a little bit different than the previous questions. Um, Hmm. I was wondering if you could like divide, like make your, you seem to talk about like problems in terms of like current system bad and not really in terms of like, what would be good. Um, So I was wondering from your perspective, what would be like the ideal healthcare system? Oh dude, um,
0: I wish I knew. I I wish, I wish I had a great answer for that. The, The one thing I know that's bad, the more you take things away from the basic unit of the physician patient that should be your that should be the unit that's in charge of healthcare when you when you put things on top of that when you encumber that or when you pull away from that you make things worse and people are trying to make it better but that's it's not it's not going to make it better so the question then becomes how do you how do you get it back to the you know, the practitioner and the patient, I, you know, there I, there are a lot of people that suggest market forces that are a way to do that. You know, there was a time when they were talking about these individual savings plans for, but that, that really, you know, demands that people pay attention to the, themselves as consumers of healthcare. And we don't really want to do that. We don't like that. I, I don't like it either. We want to be able to just plug in and then get away from it again and pretend we're not biological. And I, I, I'm sympathetic. I, I understand that. But I, I think the only way we're going to do it is if we have a couple of tiers. if we have something that's you know pure market based that people who like to you know be in the weeds on these things and manage their own stuff, let them do it. and some intermediate insurance program like we have already and then a public program. We, we have to have a, a to, to demand that everybody be in one system it, it it's just not going to happen. I just don't see where that works and so there's got to be some way of managing a, a a choice where people can manage their their healthcare the way they want to and be able to provide healthcare to need it that's who need it that's good um but boy you know when you're doing that you're you're providing healthcare to hundreds of millions tens of millions of people at least and the whole issue becomes how do they I don't want to say it too, too pejoratively, but restrict care. How do you manage care now? Uh, is, is what I'm saying, make any sense at all so far, Nate?
7: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it sounds like kind of, um, I'm kind of coming from the Dan Crenshaw, uh, direct primary care, uh, uh, ideas as as being like the best non give total control to the government or the current system is fine. You know, it's like, uh, So it seems like the kind of gym membership direct primary care could be something. Yeah, um, well, the primary care,
0: the the fact that primary care has been taken out of the equation is, I've I've been in primary care for 30 years, and it's been horrible. It's almost impossible to practice primary care. And I think they've done that intentionally. So they can move in what are called physician extenders. Now, here's another thing. I, I think physician extenders are great. But you be—you got to be prepared that you're going to see a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant and not a physician. Now, the physician can supervise all that pretty effectively, but the consumer has to get used to the idea that that's how it's going to go. The one thing that must, and, and that's the only way you're going to come up with a public system, frankly, but the one thing that must be taken out of that equation is the, li- the total liability cannot flow up to the physician. It can't be that we have eight people under us, or you want us to manage twenty people under us, and then all the liability goes to us. That can't happen. Can't happen. Yeah, this is my Strikes Back episode. Thank you, Tom's, Tom's uh, Cigars, who uh, suggest I have a segment every day called Doctor Dr. Drew Strikes Back. This is it. It's, there's got to be some shared liability or tort reform or something, because if you if you just allow if you I, I could manage twenty physician extenders. If it weren't the case that I accepted all the liability for every minute of every one of those individuals' uh, caretaking, I would learn to understand their caretaking. I would be using my judgment, and my judgment would have to be adequate defense against liability. Now, if I was just totally asleep at the wheel or you know, I was up on opiates or something, well, of course, there should be liability on my doorstep. But the fact that all the liability flows upstream is one of the reasons we can't get this system right. There's got to be some tort reform.
7: That's amazing. Thank you for that uh, response. Uh, I think this actually would be an awesome segment with you and Adam going through like just any kind of public policy, like what could we do in a positive sense?
0: Well, I know, I know, I I know precisely what to do with the homeless situation. I know exactly what to do with that. It's not hard. It's very easy, but it requires some laws that are going to maybe be difficult to get through. Hey, Drew. Yeah. Thank you, Nate. Yeah. Could
8: you do me a favor and tell the people on Clubhouse that this is also a live stream and it will be a podcast so that anything they say on here will be in perpetuity.
0: Okay. So I did not mention I did mention to this group that it will be a streaming show that you're streaming when we come when we call you up onto the program onto the uh, out of the audience here. You're be on the streaming program which is on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube and uh, Twitter, Periscope. But uh, I neglected to say that it would be a podcast because I didn't know it would be a podcast until just this minute. So I, I apologize for that. Uh, but thank you. Thank you. That's appropriate uh, for us to warn everybody. Uh, Josh, what's going on? Can you hear me? We do.
9: Oh, great. Um, so I have a couple questions. My first question was about the, um, the mushrooms. Mm. And I feel like medicine is going in that direction. You can't really stop it. I heard a really good podcast. Um, about psilocybin use in New York I feel like there's two big ones there's the MDMA study that you just talked about is that out yet and you is, have is that, that out now no 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 but you had you had that woman that psychoanalyst come on and talk about MDMA about I don't know a long time ago well no this is and this then, one
0: though but this is way do you hear the interview with this maps guy let me let me find you his name he's in Toronto he's amazing and he has a great study about to be released
9: yeah so it's really good mm-hmm and, uh, my point was that sort of like, you know, if you're with, you're hanging out with your friends and someone says, you know, I'm not feeling very well. They're like, here, you know, let's, we're going to do some drugs tonight. Come with us. We'll hang out. Nope. We'll have fun. I mean, that's kind of the way the medical community is going.
0: No, 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 no. They, 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 are making, they are, they will have to get training in the application of these substances. They will have to be trained in what the potential downsides are and how to look out for those downsides. They will have to follow up and take responsibility for what happens to that patient in the months and weeks following. And they will have to do measurements to make sure that the depression or whatever it is they're trying to treat actually improve. And there will have to be a risk-reward analysis for each step along that path. At this point, we don't have enough information to even advise using these things because we don't know the risk reward. Now, when it comes to the MDMA in the setting of carefully executed trauma therapy, it looks like MDMA has some added benefit in people who are recalcitrant, whose lives are ruined by their PTSD, that's worth the risk. We don't know the risk reward yet on many of these many of these other situations. What was your other question?
9: So my other question was, I feel like the last year we've basically been, I mean, I don't even want to, I feel like I'm coming back, everyone's coming back, but psychologically or just anything. I feel like this last year is like, you just give it up. I mean, we yeah. need another year I know. to get back. We I, well, I, 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 don't,
0: <laughs> I don't disagree with you, uh, yeah. but imagine if you're 80. And you have two or three years left, and they just took a year away from you, you know, from being around your family. Well, what do you uh, do you do then? Hang on a second. What do you do in that hang on. Dr. Drew strikes back again. It's going to happen more than once a show. This is disgusting to me. It's disgusting that without any conscious awareness of what they're doing, they prevented people whose life expectancy may be only two or three years. They made them cash in, maybe all of what was left when they could have been finding some way to spend time with the people they love. And by the way, one of the things they might have done was ask the individuals themselves how much risk they'd like to take. But no one ever did that. They just pushed them all away. And now people, like you say, Josh, we've lost a year and it may take us another year to get back. I agree with you. It might. I, I kind of feel that. You're right.
9: So what do you say to the eighty-year-old guy? I mean, these people are human beings. That's I tell so them I bother, feel ter—I
0: or- feel terrible for them, and that uh, they should get the vaccine and get out and get moving and get doing stuff. And yes, there are variants out there; they should be concerned about. But you can manage that risk. Use you know them if they're really concerned. You use some of the halal Use the mask. Use do all these things. Uh, you know, keep your distance. See people outside. There's zero transmission outside. Strikes back again. There is zero transmission outside. There is ze- The In one large study, two out of 7,000 cases, they found an outdoor transmission. In a couple that was standing face-to-face outdoors, having a conversation, it transmitted. Otherwise, the other 6,998 did not transmit outdoors. It doesn't transmit outside. We just had Texas Stadium filled. Was it two weeks ago? Ten days ago? Was there a massive outbreak, or has Texas continued to go down? It's continued to go down. Now, I, I'm certainly sympathetic to people say that that was very risky. and Maybe we shouldn't take risks like that. I, I'm with you on that. I, did, I looked at that too and kind of ugh, made me nervous. But I but I but I thought to myself, zero transmission outdoors, zero transmission outdoors. That's the data. So let's let's lean on that. So yeah, so Josh, I I, I agree with you. It's it's another year ahead of. Recalibrating and sort of, um, but maybe we'll enjoy it more. You know what I mean? Because it's stuff we've lost and we're finally getting it back. Thank you for your question, man. Marlis.
10: Oh, can you hear me? I okay? hear
0: you. What's going All on?
10: All right. Well, okay. Eight days. I, okay. Personal question
5: here. For uh, eight, for you or me? For me. Okay.
10: Johnson Johnson shot. Eight days later, uh, I take myself to the emergency room because I feel like shit, and. I know something's wrong, and I'm having some extreme pain. Don't know what it is. Where's the pain? They ruled out, huh? Left it? chest area. Um, they end up calling it chest wall inflammation. Here's what's odd: is I'm show I'm throwing giant platelets and variant lymphocytes so far, and the and it says the platelets are clumped. We're going to repeat it on Friday. But when do I feel? I'm an old hypochondriac, I've been in <laughs> recovery for many things including this. All right. When do I allow my old behavior to trigger up a little bit? Of when do I start getting anxious about some of this? Oh,
0: okay. Well, not yet. Don't get anxious, but okay. but, but pay attention. Pay attention. So, okay. have them check your anti-phospholipid antibodies. Because hold it. Yeah. yeah. Try
10: and say that one three times fast. An-
0: antiphospholipid okay. antibodies, antiphospholipids, because the platelet clumping is probably caused by an antiphospholipid antibody. That That's what they're thinking now. So if your antiphospholipid is up, you also did they do a pro time on you? Uh, no. Yeah. You get a pro time, get an antiphospholipid level. Somebody may want to put you on some anticoagulant. That may happen. Are you on estrogens? Yeah. I would stop them for the time being. Because that's okay. that, that's not okay. I'm not don't let me give you direct advice. Please talk to your Dr. Oh, doctor. It that way. Yeah. I want
10: to tease you for a minute. I'm in the middle of building a huge building that goes open May 15th, and you want to throw me into menopause?
0: I don't. I I don't. I I, I don't. I, I understand. Susan, we'll get in the horn here. We <coughs> we understand. Yeah. Bad move. yeah. <laughs> we Yeah, we, have, we have a profound th- empathic attunement to what you're expressing.
10: I'm thinking uh weapons should be put where?
0: <coughs> I'm with you.
10: Mm. I'm no, and I'm also hearing what you're saying.
0: Yeah. So we know that the people on birth control pills were the women that had trouble. You're how old are you now? Do you mind me asking?
10: I don't mind. Sixty-one. Yes,
0: yeah, so you're outside of the age group that really had trouble, had big trouble. Um, and as you know, the the clotting was weird. It was transverse sinus, and it was, it was weird. So, yeah. it, it, so, for you to have chest wall pain, did they do a D dimer? Did they do a cat yes. scan? So it was one not second.
10: one second. Yeah, the D dimer was fine. Real fast. I th- I felt like they did a very good evaluation. Okay. It was just go home. You have chest wall pain. And that was a little freaky. So I did call my primary and okay. we're gonna repeat on Friday.
0: Antiphospholipids, pro time. Think about getting off those estrogens. I, I think there's more weird shit going on with this J and J than we know. And yeah. that most of it is sort of subclinical. That's what I bet. I mean, look at me. I got a weird black eye. I did I did you hear this story?
10: Yeah by the way is it wor- did it get worse no, or kind of hold
7: stable It
0: looked but it's as bad as it could possibly be I have a raccoon eye on one side and yes. and and that's guess what a sign of a transverse sinus thrombosis but you know without a headache or spinal accessory nerve changes or something it's not what I have but but it's but isn't it weird that that happened yeah. following and, the vaccine just like isn't it weird that you're having this thing following the vaccine so i well, think there's a the, lot of and stuff going on and-
10: the pain keeps moving. There are days that I'm crippled up with a headache. Then it's over here.
1: Well, the headache little bit.
10: Well, and then it faded away. Mm. So
0: again, just, I'm going to say subclinical. Bizarre. I'm going to say yeah. subclinical that the, the probability of a serious event is 0.00004 I believe, 9%. So, yeah. you know, the probability of it being serious is very remote. Right? but you want to mitigate your risks, and so
10: absolutely, yeah.
0: And, and the the hard part is if you have antiphospholipids, some of the problem has been hemorrhage with with this thing. So it's it's because the platelets can really drop. Did they do a platelet level when you when they? The
10: platelets were adequate but clumpy.
0: Okay, well, that clumpiness to me, I, you're I, that sounds like antiphospholipid. So let's go see and let me know. Okay, I will. All right, thank go, you. Good luck. I appreciate your you time. Betcha. Thanks. Uh, okay. And now, uh, whoops, Tanya, how you been?
11: True. How are you? I'm
0: good. What are you doing now?
11: (laughs) I'm still in public child welfare. Um, I actually am, I pulled over to the side of the road right now just so I could say something. I don't have a question. Mm. I just want to take a minute to say thank you because Amidst this global pandemic, you continue to, you know, want to help people and bring awareness about, you know, so many different conditions. And I just want to thank you. I know you've got a lot of hate and you <laughs> are my personal hero. Well, you're very so kind, much.
0: but listen, you, you're now, you're now a mental health professional. So wh- what, what am I doing to contribute to all that hate? Where, where is that, where do you think that comes from?
11: You know, I just have, A lot of concern overall for the public um i feel like there's so much mental health advocacy that that needs to be done especially for our youth
7: Mm
11: -hmm. um and now that they've been out of public you know school settings for the last year um i definitely feel like we have a lot of work to do ahead of us
0: that is that is an understatement (laughs) there'll be plenty of work for all of us yeah i know yeah so you, you see all this spite as some an expression of overall lack of mental health right now.
11: I think it's a combination. Um, a lot of the population that I work, it's just like intergenerational trauma that is this like si- ongoing cycle where yep. people just want to tell their story. People just or, or haven't had the opportunity for somebody mm. to actually listen to all of the ongoing trauma that's been passed down. And so it's really more about intervention. Um, and having either a good therapist or a case manager or mm-hmm. you know, court intervention, something like that. Or, or, to get or I, you know,
0: mutual aid, man. I it's free. Support groups, mutual aid groups. I mean, we got we gotta really right. get behind more of that. Uh, I, I I know they're not professionally managed and people worry about that and whatnot, but but man, they can they can really help people.
11: Yeah. So I just wanted to say thank you. I know you get a lot of hate and so you continue to be my hero. Thank you so much Thanks, honey, for everything g- that you So do.
0: G- great to hear from you. Congratulations on the work you're yeah. doing. Okay.
11: Thank you. All right.
0: See you. Uh, I've still got a few more questions up here. Are we uh, good on time, everybody? Susan, are you good? Susan, get on that horn. You're great. She doesn't want to talk to us. I'm good. Uh, I've done I've done the the strikes back, so I can now just take phone calls. <laughs> Did you like the strikes back?
8: I think Tom Cigars is brilliant.
9: <laughs> that was Tom Cigar's idea. I'll make a better animation soon. That one I only did in five okay. minutes. <laughs> well, okay, how, how dare you? I
0: need one too. Uh, let's see if we have Jenna. Are you up there? No, not yet. Oh, there she is. Hi, Jenna. What's going on?
12: Hey, I am such a huge fan of you and Susan with Tom and Christine. Ah. It's amazing, and I'm curious. I know I could probably Google and find it, but I was wondering if you could briefly just say, how did you guys all first? meet and like the four of us, home, this friendship's amazing. Yeah. Okay.
0: So Susan, you this is for you. This is a good one for her. So, and not, not how Susan and I met, but how the four of us got together. Yes. Do, oh. you, do you remember? Well, they really, it really was. Had, go uh, ahead.
8: They're friends with, um, Jason Ellis, right? I think
0: it's the Kreishers.
8: Oh, the Kreishers. Wait, it, no.
0: Isn't that how they got to us?
8: I think I had Jason.
0: Burke and... Kre- Let me just say, Burke Kreischer has been my friend Since he first told the machine story on my radio show 15 years ago or something. Uh, So we kind of became friendly and kind of circled around a few times. But I
8: had Jason Ellis on my podcast, and then somebody told me, one of my fans said, You need to get
0: Tom Segura. Tom
8: Segura because they're friends, right? And then maybe it was Bert. And then it was Bert. No, I think we did well. We did Bert first. Anyway, was on, he was on your podcast, and he didn't I like it. I think we got Tom through Bert, but I got it through Jason Ellis okay. or something. And because they were on my "Calling Out with Susan Pinsky" podcast like five years ago, Okay. and they wanted to talk to their dead ancestors. Okay. And Tom Segura was the worst guest I ever had. <laughs> he hated it. <laughs> it was the worst. He hated it. But, he, he but here's what, what I
0: remember: we found you and I were watching Netflix, and I was we watched Christina P's first po- uh, special. And I just went. That is a super bright woman. Remember that conversation? I was like, she is hiding how smart she is. This is like somebody who's super crazy smart. I
8: said, Oh, she was on my podcast. Is that? And no, you were like, What? I think
0: you said her husband was or something. No, right? they were both on it. Okay, and then I said, We terrible. gotta, we gotta get them on my podcast. Right. So and I so broke. Christina turned out was a fan of Celebrity Rehab, so she like she was fans of me and Bob Bob Forrest. So Bob Forrest and I had a podcast. She was very anxious to come on that podcast, and she did. Uh, this was four years ago, five Long years ago? ago. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we just sort of became friendly after and that. Then you went on their show. And then they then they kind of coaxed me. We weren't friends yet. They kind of coaxed me to come on their show. I had zero idea, Jenna, what I was getting into. <laughs> I mean, the, back in those days, it was their house in canoga park or wherever everyone <laughs> and you went in their back like they had a back like right. room and i went and with you
8: and i looked watched you guys
0: you sat in the doorways <laughs> yeah. i remember and uh and they I'm, they're like oh is this normal and they just showed me these horrible things i'm like what what is going on i don't understand and uh that was where a friendship started and then we all went out to dinner a couple no, they of wanted times wanted you to
8: do a spinoff show but that's why we had dinner because your ratings were so good and they loved just making you squirm
0: yeah they wanted to make me squirm regularly and they
8: called me and they go uh can he do a podcast where he sees all these things and we interview celebrities and blah blah blah. i go yeah he doesn't have any contracts and they went what okay let's do it so we did and and
0: originally the idea was jenna that i was uh, christina had a weird obsession with comedians brains and so she wanted me to talk to a bunch of comedians. So if you look at the first season of Doctor After Dark, it was all just me talking to comedians. And, and it was pretty much trauma, 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 drug addiction, trauma. You know, exactly what we expect. But it was funny. It was interesting. There was a lot of I, – I really enjoyed doing that. But then then Tom came in and said, eh, let's bring it closer to your mom's house and why don't you and Christina do it. And that's what we've been doing ever since. It's
12: absolutely amazing. I love seeing you on –
0: them and well, you know what, what you guys are what, just all so good together. What's amazing to me is, and you represent this to me, the your mom's house fans are amazing, 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 amazing. Uh, and what I love is not just they're such an interesting group and so so welcoming, but on my stuff, they send for those of you who don't know what this is, I do a show called Dr. Drew After Dark and they send voice messages in at 818 253 1693. 818 253 1693, you can send voice messages in. And it feels like old school love line. And I, because of that, I've started doing some shows where I'm just answering messages and things here and there. Um, and that's that's a nice thing to kind of bring that back a little bit. There's still a lot of young people that have a lot of weird questions, so we try to get to them. Not all brown and yellow and white, if you know what I'm saying, Jenna. Yes, <laughs> okay. thank you guys thanks, for all the thanks. laughter I just love right. that story too, so thank you. Thank you, you, you bet. Well, that's an, that's a, that's a story I never thought I'd tell. You know what I mean, that's kind of interesting uh we just you know what's invited weird invited
8: to dinner with um Heather McDonald Lisa Vanderpump and Jill zarin
0: tonight at pump tonight mm-hmm. I'm good I'm good with
8: it I was gonna make uh, chicken parmesan pizza.
0: no let's go go with those but guys. I can do that okay anyways. what's that Niela
9: oh what's weird is that that's also how you and I started working together is I was on Susan's show one time and I overheard she was saying something like on the break about how you something needed fixing on the website and I was like wait I, I know how to do that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like within minutes, she sent me the passwords and the logins. And, I, and then from there, it kept going and going. And now fast forward all these years. We, we are a, I'm a little impulsive shows. when it comes to getting stuff done. <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah,
8: uh, take the password. Here you go.
9: Uh, <laughs>
0: Vienna, Vienna, what's going on?
12: Hi,
8: hey how are there.
0: you? We are good. What's happening?
12: Good. Um, I've only been here for like 15 minutes. I'm not sure if you guys talked about this already, but I just had a, a couple uh question concerns about the COVID-19 vaccine mm-hmm. and with women who are currently pregnant or who want to get pregnant. And I guess my whole thing is that I've heard doctors say, it's fine, it's fine, it's safe, it's safe. And I, I just don't understand that at all because it's like they haven't studied women for a year. That uh,
0: not for it. You're right, not for a year, but they have studied women going into pregnancy, during pregnancy and after pregnancy. And uh, the data has been very solid. Very solid. Now, you're right. They didn't look at things a year from now. I mean, but there, this isn't the sort of a, there's not much can happen a year away. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense that there would be, you know, really anything significant. I'm sure they'll continue to follow to be sure. But I get it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's that pregnant women have more severe COVID, but they do okay, but there's certain risks with it. I mean, I, I understand if you don't want to take the vaccine. I I get that.
12: Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't know, like I, I'm not pregnant, but you know, my husband and I are kind of on this, like we, we're going to try to here shortly. And I'm just like, I don't know if, you know, I, I just don't know because there's, there's no like studies and data. And you know, this was just something weird that I was reading. I forget what it was, but it, it was like something 30 years ago that, gynecologist gave to
0: um, D- don't, women. That, then that then is thalidomide. Got- <laughs> that that is that was a terrible th- mistake. Poorly, that was a misadventure of massive proportions.
12: Oh, so you know what I'm talking oh, about? Of
0: course, of course. And yeah. and trust me, the medical system learned from that one. It's not like we're going to make that mistake again. Uh, and and believe me. That was an, in, the, the system was different entirely. I mean, there yeah. was not, it was not in any way as thorough as things are today with all the liabilities and things attached to any medical, any interventions. I, I suggest I've recommended this a little earlier. I'm going to suggest this to you too. There is a, do you, do you watch uh TikTok at all? Yes. <laughs> go, go look up at laughter in light at laughter in light. She's an immunologist. She has she on her. If you go through some of her stuff, she already answers some questions there about uh, pregnancy and and the vaccine. She's very thorough, very smart. Runs an immunology lab, and that's who you should be listening to for this kind of advice. Okay. Okay. And I'm and, um, she actually takes questions, so you could probably even get through to her with your questions if you if you can. And I think the way to frame it is how do we know there aren't long term effects i think that's really what your question is and, yeah for and, sure yeah and get go go look through her her scroll there look through what she's presented she she gets a little angry at the trolls and spent all the time fighting back on stuff. But but <laughs> when she's just presenting data, she gives data up to the minute in preprint, even before there's peer reviewed release. So, and she analyzes it. She talks about it. You'll, 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 you'll know I've sent you somebody somewhere good as soon as you start watching her stuff. Okay. At laughter okay. in light. All righty. All right. Good luck. Thank with that. you so much. You bet. Thank you. Uh, okay. I'm going to wrap things up, everybody. Um, we thank you for asking the great questions. We thank you for joining us here on The Thread. I thank you guys for being on the restream here. It's a very interesting afternoon. I'm going to uh, end the Clubhouse room. I thank you all for having been with me. Yep, we're going to end that room. And um, I'm going to say thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Susan. We will be in and around here tomorrow. Is that true, Susan? Tomorrow around three o'clock. And
8: yeah, we have uh, Dr. Kelly Victory. Dr.
0: Kelly Victory is going to make a performance. See how see, she's feeling. These yeah, days. see if she adjusts her position at all. If she has uh, similar ideas, different <laughs> ideas, moved. move. She'll in. be
8: like, I told you so.
0: She maybe told you so on certain things, but I, I bet she adjusted position on some stuff. Uh, and we're going to go out with Lisa Vanderpump. Is that the plan? <laughs> Good times. All right, okay, everybody. I got to go make a pizza. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you tomorrow at three o'clock. Pacific. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. This is just a reminder that the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care or medical evaluation. This is purely for educational and entertainment purposes. I'm a licensed physician with over 35 years of experience, but this is not a replacement for your personal physician, nor is it medical care. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me. Call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 anytime 24-7 for free support and guidance. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources
1: at drdrew.com slash help.